Oh, stop. Everyone, please sit. Please sit. My name is Isaac Pio, even though my mom calls me Isaac Pio. So, it's okay. It's fine. It's whatever now. But it's like, everyone say, Pio. Pio. Like, you know, the gun, like, Pio, Pio. That's my name. That really is Isaac Pio. But honestly, um, first and foremost, I want to thank Pastor Brian and Sue. Can we give them a hand? Because they are fantastic and wonderful leaders. And when Pastor Sue asked me to do it, I was just like, of course, I'll definitely do it. And the fact that you got back-to-back agents, bonus points. <laughs> and the real reason I said yes, because we have a problem here at church. Everyone thinks Pastor Calvin and me, were one in the same. So I just wanted to show you, no, we're two different agents. It, it happens from time to time. So, um, and he did a fantastic job. So um, that's really good. And honestly, it is a privilege and an honor to be speaking in front of you guys. Um, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So as I was getting ready for this talk and um, praying and asking God, what can I possibly tell these bright future leaders, what can I say? I felt the Lord lead in my heart to talk about my story. And as I processed it and I thought about it more and more, and I'm like, God, you know what? You're really good. That makes complete sense. Because here's the thing. Where you guys are right now was where I was 15 years ago. Yes, I'm Asian. I age pretty well. So I'm, <laughs> I'm older than I look. But then I'm like, yeah. Where you guys were 15 years ago was where I was. And over the years, God has taught me countless of principles and lessons about life and about ministry. And my hope and my prayer is that as I share my story, is that you learn, that you grow, especially from my mistakes, because I made a lot of mistakes. But I'm going to tell you, and please do not be judgmental about it. That's kind of a joke. You can laugh sometimes. It's okay. But before we begin, let's say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for these godly men and women that we are gathered here, that we can share our meals together, we can talk, we can encourage, we can be there for one another. I pray that this time may be pleasing, it may be glorifying to you, and um, we love you so much. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As far back as I can, as far back as I can remember, church has always been a part of my life. Being the son of a pastor, I grew up in the church. Church was just something that we did. Monday through Friday, we had morning prayer service. Friday night service, Wednesday night service, Saturday we'd at church, Sunday we had two services. And many of you in this room can relate to it. Church was just a part of life. So as you can imagine, at a young age, I felt called into the ministry. Um, it's kind of funny because a couple of years ago, a guy came up to me and he was like, hey, Isaac, how do you know that you're called to the ministry? Like, how did you know? And to tell you the truth, I had to stop and pause and think about it because there wasn't a specific moment in time where I heard the voice of God saying, Isaac, stop doing what you're doing. You're called to the ministry. You're going to be a pastor. It wasn't like that. It was just over the years, God continually confirmed and affirmed in my heart 
through people and through experience that, yes, this is what you are tailor-made to do. You are called to the ministry. The reason why I bring this up is because I feel that sometimes we just get so caught up in the calling. We think to ourselves, oh, I knew from this moment and from this time I had my burning bush moment and I'm never the same again. And you know what? If you have that, that's great. That's awesome. Pastor Scott's story, it's kind of like that. He knew from a young age that, yes, he was going to be a pastor. But here's the thing. That's not the case for everyone. We serve a fun and creative God who knows how each one of us is wired. I mean, it kind of makes sense because he created us. As a result, he knows what will work for us. He knows how we will respond. So in my book, if you're called, you're called. Don't doubt it. Some of you in this room, I feel, are doubting it. You're discouraged and you're like, should I really be here right now? And I just want to give you this advice. Be obedient and God will take care of the rest. He always does. This is the biblical principle that if you're obedient, God will pave the way. Man, that would be a great time to say amen. 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 So after high school, I enrolled at Valley Forge Christian College, home of the Patriots. I'm not done. You East Coasters, so rude. Home of the Patriots, located, here's a bonus question, located near the largest mall on the East Coast. Bonus points if you can tell me what the name of the mall is. Sean, Karina, you cannot play this game. You get an A for the day if you can tell me the largest mall on the East Coast. On, on the East Coast. Anybody? No, it is not mom. That's in Minnesota on the East Coast. Um, Garrett, can you please tell me? King of Prussia, that is right. Can we give him a hand? If you can't encourage your brother, I don't know what it is. Can we please give him a hand? This is big time. So after, after high school, I enrolled at Valley Forge Christian College. But if I can be honest with you, um, I didn't want to go to Bible college. Even though I was called into the ministry at a young age and it was confirmed and affirmed throughout my time, I didn't want to go to Bible college. I didn't want to, be, I didn't want to train to be a pastor. And the reason for this is because I got accepted to another university, George Mason University, another American university, and I wanted to go there. I distinctly remember my senior year when we're talking about, hey, what colleges are you going to? People, we had some smart people. People were saying, I'm going to Princeton, I'm going to Michigan. We had a lot of Penn State people, um, and it was just on. And so they would be like, Isaac, what college are you going to? And initially, I said Valley Forge Christian College, and people would be like, well, why are you going there? And then I would ask to explain, and then I'd get embarrassed at the end because a lot of them weren't believers. So you know what I started doing? I said, I'm going to BC. And they're like, oh, that's cool, because BC is what? 
Boston College. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome, bro. But when I said BC, I meant I'm going to Bible college. Of course, <laughs> they didn't know the difference and they thought I was super smart. Now, did I lie? Kind of, but I just let them go with them. So initially, I didn't want to go. And the thing was, I had everything planned out because at that time, my sister was attending George Washington University. It was just up from where George Mason was, like one hour away. So I'm like, if I go there, my parents are gonna be great because she can take care of me. Um, I'll go to a solid university, get a good education, potentially meet somebody, and oh yeah, maybe party up a little bit. Real talk. <laughs> Have a little fun. That's honestly, now, was my motivations of wanting to go George Mason, was it to live according to the flesh? Everyone say. <laughs> like seriously, it's a yes or no. Like as a parent, I told you I wanted to drink. Yes or no? Yes. It was, I'm a bad human being, but just trying to be real with you. And I wanted to live according to the ways of the world, if I can be really honest with you. But thankfully, God had other plans for me, and it started as soon as I stepped on campus at Valley Forge Christian College. Because at that, cha at that chapel, God confirmed within my heart, and I remember breaking down and saying that this, God, I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm no longer going to run from you, but I'm going to say yes to you, because that's what obedience is, saying yes to God. And so I enrolled there, and the rest is history. The best decision that I made up until now. Four years, great. I learned, I grew socially, mentally, physically. Seriously, I don't mean like this way. Like, I was big, guys. Like, my arms. I met this Korean, he is the biggest Korean I've ever seen in my life. Sorry, I'm gonna rabbit trail. But anyways, he was big and he trained me. He introduced me to something called protein. So my arms are pretty big. But then what happened, as I learned and I discovered a place called Cheesecake Factory. Anybody else? Mm. So instead of lifting weights, I'm like, I'm gonna go over there and have some cheesecake. So I'm like, forget weightlifting. I'm just gonna eat whatever. So to this day, I have adopted a principle. I go to the gym, not to work out or not to look good. I just go so I can eat whatever I want. Probably not the best way, but it works for me. Thanks for laughing. Nobody else is laughing. See, this is terrible. You have to laugh at the punchline, not laugh after the fact. See, a lot of you are just giving me pity laughs now, which is absolutely ridiculous. So anyways, it was a great four years. I learned, I grew, but I also had regrets. And perhaps one of my biggest regrets that I had dealt with my grades. Let me explain what I mean by this, because context is key. Everyone say context is key. Context is key. For those of you who feel called to be um, to preach and teach on a week-to-week -week basis, this principle, context is key, is very important for you. Because when you study the text, by the way, this has nothing to do with my point, this is another rabbit trail. Because when you study the text, 
Know what the text says. Don't give your opinions. Don't say, I feel this way. We have enough preachers in Bible who aren't preaching the word of God. They're saying, I feel this way. But what the world needs right now is the word of God. Because the word of God brings transformation, change, and hope. Not your opinions. You can add your opinions later if it's in line with the word of God. Amen, guys? So in this particular context, doesn't have to do anything with the word of God. But in high school, I had a problem. I had a very big problem. And this problem was I cheated. I cheated all the time. I cheated on tests. And I had a partner. I don't know if you guys know this movie, Rush Hour. Anybody know Rush Hour? (laughs) So it was me and a big black dude. Can you guess? I was Jackie Chan, and he was Chris Tucker. Except (laughs) the roles were flipped because I had the big mouth, and he was pretty quiet. So what we would do is that we would cheat on everything in our tests. We would go inside teachers' offices while we weren't there. We actually planned it and stole the test off their whatever, off their desk. We would do whatever we can to cheat on tests, whether it be physics, French, um, what's another thing, accounting. Like, I would cheat on everything, and we did this for two years. He never got caught. But on the last final that I took high school year, that's what happened. I got caught. And I blame it on my high school sweetheart. That's the reason why we're not together to this day. I'm joking. I'm not bitter. (laughs) But anyways, I got caught, and it was bad. I got sent to the principal's office, and then they talked. Thankfully... Um, you're like, you're going to get F and et cetera, et cetera. But from that point on, I vowed to myself that I would never, ever cheat on a test again. And I followed through on that principle as we head, as I headed on into Valley Forge Christian College and check this out. In my whole career, the whole four years, I only had two Bs. Everything else I aced. And the last B, it doesn't count because you get senioritis. So who really cares about the last B? <laughs> Honestly, some of you are there already. You're like, who cares? I'm just going to turn in the paper. Not a big deal. And it was funny because for the first time, like, I was at the top of the class. I made the dean's list. Is it dean's list or the top? I made the dean's list. Like, people came to me, and they're like, Isaac, give me your study guide. And I'm like, really? Like, they wanted to study with me, and it was a great feeling. But as I reflected on that, all that hard work was for nothing. And here's the reason why. Because if you ask me today, what did you learn in the class at Valley Forge, I will tell you nothing. Daily squat. I don't remember anything. And here's the reason. I was more concerned about the grade than the content. I'm going to say that one more time because some of you are where I am right now. I was more concerned of the grade than the content, meaning this, after I studied for a final, because my end goal, my motivation was the grade. That was the prize I always wanted, meaning after I studied, 
all the information would just go away. Nothing would stick. After I did a paper, I just turned it in. I looked at the grade. I'm like, next, not a big deal. And and it hurt me. Now I think about it as I reflect upon it because I had great professors, a great education, but I didn't take advantage of it. On a side note, and this might, you know, make people feel uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, no one really cares about your GPA. No one really does. If they see the diploma, they're not going to ask about your GPA. Now, am I telling you not to study and not to work hard in classes? No, that's not what I'm saying. Study, work hard. But what I want to encourage you guys today is strive to understand what you're studying. Take time, think, reflect, wrestle with things. Know what you believe and know the why of what you believe, what you do. More about this in a little bit. After I graduated from Valley Forge Christian College in Pennsylvania, the day after, I was on a plane, and guess where I moved? Okay, good, that was good, they know. I, I already told this story already, okay? I thought somebody would say Korea. <laughs> Uneasy laugh, it's, it's okay. It wasn't racist. So afterwards, I moved to Texas, and I enrolled in Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary, and I quickly found out that I was no longer an AG country anymore. Do you, get, do you guys get that? I was no longer around AG people. You see, up until that point of my life, I had always grown around AG people, like-minded people. We had the same doctrines, we had the same principles, we had the same practices, we had the same everything. But this is no longer the case. To make matters more challenging, I went to a school that was known for being liberal, meaning this. My classmates and my professors, some of the professors, now I think about it, um, I went to class with feminists people who were openly homosexuals, and they were proud of it. People of different faiths, which was very interesting. People, and this was probably the biggest thing that scared me. People who did not believe in the inerrancy and authority of the word of God. They didn't believe in the Bible. And I'm like thinking, why in the world are you in seminary if you don't believe the word of God? It was baffling. So as you can imagine, it led to a lot of interesting dialogues and conversations with fellow classmates and professors. But here's the disconnect, and that connects to my education. A lot of times where we'd be debating and discussing, I was unable to speak up. I was scared. I was intimidated. I didn't think that my words would carry in that context. And here's why. Did I know my theology? Did I know what I believed? Yeah, definitely. But these people do as well. And they knew at a deeper level. Meaning when I said things, when I wanted to say, yes, the gifts are for today, they'd be like, okay, tell me more. How do we know about it? Give me scripture. And like I knew, but I'll get so flustered that I couldn't have a meaningful dialogue with them. I had to learn 
later on in life. The reason why I bring up my seminary experience is this. These people who we're not agreeing with, these are the people that we are going to be ministering to, serving with, and working with on a day-to-day basis. And merely saying, I disagree with you, or not, uh, that's not what Pastor Sue said, that's not going to work in the real world. You have to know what you believe. You have to understand this. I'm going to give you some real talk right now. As this happens in my seminary all the time. By the way, I go to DTS. I'm back in school. This is the rule for Asian people. If you have no idea what you're going to do, just go back to school and God will open the door. <laughs> that really is. We laugh about it, but it's, it's true. That's why you see a lot of Asian people in med school. All right. Different <laughs> side note. So anyways, when people ask me, hey, what's your denomination at DTS? And I say Assemblies of God or Pentecostal or Charismatic. They look down on me. And they kind of roll their eyes. And do you know why? Because the reputation in the scholarly world is, yes, people in the Assemblies of God, they know how to worship God. Woo! They do. They seek after him. Hallelujah. But they have no theology. They're uneducated fools. Just trying to be real with you guys. So when people are like, AG, you see, we're guarded here at the Oaks because we're with like-minded people. But the reality is when you go out there, like I feel that many of you are, this is the reality that you are going to face. And the reason why I'm telling you this is that we can make a difference right now. We are making a difference. That's why Pastor Sue, Pastor Brian, I'll say more about this a little bit later That's why they push you to education. Learn your material. So how can we learn our material? How can we be more confident so that we can articulate with the world and saying, yes, we're great in worship, but we're great in our theology. They work hand in hand together. So how can we do it? Now, I'm going to give you four quick principles, and it's not going to be mind-blowing, but hopefully it will help. Very practical. Number one is this. Get into the word of God. That was hard. Get into the word of God. Spend time. Meditate. Memorize. Let the word of God marinate in your heart, not out of duty, not as an assignment, but actually get into the word of God. It's funny because I'm in seminary right now, and my Bible reading is struggling. It's suffering as, as compared to when I wasn't in seminary. It's so weird. Because we are exposed to the word of God all the time. We're learning Greek. We're learning Hebrew. We're here and everything. But have your own devotional time where you meet with God through the word of God. Where you meet with God through his word. Yeah, better. Okay, number two is this. Study theology. 16 fundamental truths. If you want to be licensed, ordained, you have to know it. Look up the passages. Why do we believe what we believe? Take some time. Ask questions. If you're like, I don't know if I jive with that, that's fine. That's great. You have people around here who can help you. Number three is this. Read books. And I'm not talking about Harry Potter or um, Hunger Games. I kind of dated myself. What's another um, series that people are reading? What's another series? Like comic strips or anything? I don't know. 
Bernstein, Bernd. No, I'm just. <laughs> Classics. They're so good. And I'm going to tell you read books, read books that encourage you, that convict you, that um, challenge you. And I'm going to be honest because a lot of times when people speak, they're like, I love reading. I have an appetite for reading. Not this guy. I don't like reading. I'd rather watch a game, go out, you know, hang out or play putt-putt golf or whatever. I'd rather do that. And, that's why, and I knew that from a younger age. And that's why I have to work at reading because it's a struggle for me. I have to focus on it because every time I read a book, it's encouraging to my soul and it educates me. So for those of you who have a healthy appetite of reading, continue. Keep on going. For those of you who are struggling and in my boat, you have to work at it. Make the effort. But I'm telling you right now, it is so worth it at the end. It really is. Last but not least, be around godly people. Learn from them. Ask questions. Pick their brains. Invite yourself over to their house. Can I show you how to do it right now? Pastor Sue, Pastor Brian, I've been on the ramen diet. I really have. Can I please come over? And you say, Amen to that. Anything is better than noodles. Okay, so it's, it happens. It's that easy, guys. Don't overcomplicate it. Um, I was talking to Laura about this, but last week um, I went to a men's conference with Pastor Scott. And where I live, because I live in downtown Dallas, the airport is only 20, 25 minutes away. And it would be really easy for me to get a ride. Someone just dropped me off. Not a big deal. But Pastor Scott's like, no, meet me at the church. And then I'm like thinking, save gas, because that's the logical thing to do, because you want to save money, or have 20 extra minutes with Pastor Scott. Guess what I picked? I came down, I Ubered, no, I'm joking. I came down and spent those 20, 25 minutes, because there was traffic, and I'm like, amen, hallelujah, more time with him, because Pastor Scott is big time. And you know what? It was so worth it. Because what we talked about in that one-on-one setting was priceless. Who cares about, you know, spending an, an additional 20 minutes just being around a great leader, being in his presence? So worth it. So, guys, you have look around here. Look at this table specifically. We have bright, brilliant, amazing people. Set up meetings with them. It's great. They're all over it's like the Jurassic Park. There's so many great. It's so good. That made absolutely no sense. So I'm going to keep on going. I heard it from Jamie Foxx, and he made it sound so cool, maybe because he did this. But anyways, all right. Uh, when he was on Jimmy Fallon. All right, too much information. But guys, I want to encourage you. This is the time for you to grow and learn. Right now, at this moment, in this season of your life, this is a time for you to learn and grow. Embrace it. I know a lot of you are like, oh, I want to chase dreams. I want to do this. You'll get there. I promise. Because here's the thing, and this might hurt some of you, but I'm going to tell you because I love you. At this moment, you guys don't know anything. 
but I'm going to say it later. I'm going to say it one more time. At this moment in your journey, you guys really don't know anything. In fact, I'm putting my cards on the table too. I don't know anything either. I've been in the ministry for 15 plus years and coming to the Oaks has reminded me I don't know anything. And my dad always taught me have this kind of attitude, one of humility and one of have a teachable spirit and that will carry you far. So wherever I go, my attitude is I don't know anything. Teach me. And this is a lifelong principle. This is not just for right here and right now. It is for you. And I promise you, if you have that kind of attitude, because I think it says in the Bible something, uh, somewhere about exalting yourself and humility. It does say in the Bible. It is going to take you far in ministry. Teachable, humble spirit. Oh, man, it's going to take you far. All right, um, I want to end with four quick principles, four additional principles that have helped me. It's going to be really quick, and then we're going to close. We have a Q&A. Um, Pastor Sue, what time do we end? Is it 12? Oh, 45? Oh, oh, I have time. Okay. Q&R. No, I'm going to make it. I don't like questions. Okay. No. <laughs> you two better not ask anything. Because I know you will. Okay, principle number one is this. Understand that it is not about you, but all about God. Again, understand that it is not about you, but it's all about God. And nobody is thinking, oh my goodness, what a, what a life-changing principle. What a game changer. And I know everybody knows this. But one of the biggest temptations that you will face in ministry, if you haven't already, is to make the ministry about you and not about God. And this especially happens when you do something very, 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 something, something very well, like preach an amazing sermon or lead a Bible study or design an amazing site and be like, hmm, who did that? Oh, it was me who did that. Or here's another one, when you serve. Because those are the moments when you start thinking that you're pretty good, that your head, if you're not very careful, that your head starts getting bigger and bigger. For instance, um, a couple of years back, um, I got an opportunity to speak at my friend's church in New York. And I preached, because let's be real, you know it when you hit it out of the ballpark. Like, I preached that sermon. I preached it so well, and it was so good. And then people came up, and they're like, oh, Pastor Isaac, that was so good. You were so funny. You were so charismatic, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, yeah, praise God, but yeah. And you start, you know, strutting around and be like, yeah, what's up? I'm that good. It happens. We can't be real right now. When you do something well, you get prideful. That's our simple and broken nature. And so what I adopted, because when I came home, um, my parents quickly popped that bubble, and they're like, you're not that good. Go to your room. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. I'm hungry. Give me food. But anyways. <laughs> but anyways, from that point on, and actually throughout my life, even as I was getting ready for that talk, um, I have adopted a model, and it's this. All about you, not about me. All about you 
and not about me. Man, I really wish they would participate with me. Let's say it on three. One, two, three. All about you and not about me. Again, all about you and not about me. Again, all about you and not about me. One more time. All about you and not about me. Now for the homies, all about you and not about me. And you know what? You say it over and over again. How many? Until you get the right posture before God, and you know that it is about your glory. It is about to see you magnified and lifted up. And it's not about me. I am merely a vessel. It is by grace that I've been able to do what I'm doing right now. That's the proper perspective. So all about you, not about me. I say it all the time because honestly, I am a prideful person. And it's that daily reminder of saying, Isaac, you're really not that good. But you know who is good? God. He is good. All right, principle number two is this. Give yourself grace. I want to give you a spoiler alert. You're going to mess up. It's not a question of if, but when you're going to mess up. But it's okay as long as you learn. Don't stay at that area where you keep on making the same mistake over and over again. Respond, learn, and grow. For instance, two weeks ago, and I'm going to tell you this because Des is here, and I told her I would say that I made a huge mistake. I was in Grove Vitals, and I merged someone, and it was terrible. It was bad because, first of all, Laura had to call Laura, my partner. Is she here? No. But Laura had actually called like a CEO from Group Vitals. That's how serious it was. And I was sitting there, and she's like, you have to tell Des. And I'm like, I don't want to tell Des. And she's like, you need to tell Des. So Des comes, and she's so sweet. She's like, what's the problem? And I'm like, I'll tell you what the problem is. And that she was not too happy. I had to beg for forgiveness. Can we give it up for Des for being so kind? I'm going to pay for that later because she's like, I hate being the center of attention. But I have the mic. Who cares? So anyways. <laughs> so anyway, give yourself grace because you're going to mess up. But how you respond to it. Number three is this. Maintain your health. And I mean physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or in other words, keep the Sabbath. I'm going to say that. Keep the Sabbath. I grew up in a culture, the Korean culture, where we had no concept of Sabbath. We didn't. We were workaholics. That's why a lot of Korean churches, a lot of leaders in the Korean church, they get burnt out. Because it was okay when I was younger, because it's the Lord's Day, rest, go to church, worship God. But what happens when you start preaching, teaching, and leading on Sunday? When's your day of rest? And I quickly found out that if I continued at this rate, that I would burn out. And when you're burnt out, honestly, guys, everyone, please look up here. When you're burnt out, you're useless. You can't help. You can't reach your full potential because you're so tired and you're worn out and you're running on fumes. And that's when mistakes happened. If you don't believe me, open the newspaper, and it is so disheartening to see these pastors fall from grace. 
And I feel a lot of the reason why is because they're tired. They don't know what to do, but not you guys. And so what I have adopted, this is my Sabbath, and I still work on it. It's Friday at 7 p.m. to Saturday at 7 p.m. Boom, 24 hours. Very Jewish if you think about it. But that's a 24 hours. What do I do there? Do I study? No. Do I read? Definitely not. I just, <laughs> except stats, you know, for ESPN. I just do things that encourage my soul. Refresh me. Do that. Find a place. It might not be that window for you, but find, find some time. And when I'm talking to people, they're like, I'm too busy for a Sabbath. And then my response is, do you think it's going to get any easier when you get married, when you have kids, when you have a job? Do you really think it's going to get easier? If you don't set the habit right now, later in life, you're not going to do it. And I'm saying this, guys, because I know what it feels like to be burnt out. It's not a good feeling. It's a terrible feeling because you want to serve the Lord, but you can't because you're so tired and worn out. And it's a terrible feeling. All right, guys? Make the Sabbath. Make it a priority. All right? Last but not least, have fun. Learn to laugh at yourself. I am risking a lot of telling you this story when I was a youth pastor. This is why I'm not in the youth department here. Because <laughs> Pastor Joseph would kill me. Um, but Pastor Nina, I told her, she understands. She accepts me for who I am. By the way, shout out to the group's team. Holler. Okay. So, shameless plug. I don't care. Again, I have the mic. So um, I think this was one of our big um, events. It was during spring break when I was in Austin, Texas. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm going to say it. So anyways, it was by um, anybody from Austin. Okay, oh, <laughs> so it was um, South by Southwest, and at that, oh my goodness, you're killing me, sister. Um, South by Southwest, and like um, at that time of spring break for the kids, and I'm like, oh, we're, um, let's go to Six Flags. By the way, I'm not a very good planner. That's another mistake. If you're not a good planner, hire someone or have a leader who is a good planner. So then I thought initially, because a lot of people, I assumed this, that a lot of kids would not be there. So I sent out the form like, like a month or a month and a half, and only 15 people signed up. And I'm like, oh, we can pull this off. We can have a 12-passenger van. Someone else can drive, and we can go. It'll be fine. Not a big deal. But I sent out another blast of emails, and we were going to leave on Friday. I, I think it was on Monday. And then more and more people were signing up to the point that on Thursday night, there was like 40 to 45 kids who wanted to come. Now, the dilemma in all this is that South by Southwest, everybody was renting vans. So, like, I had no leeway, and I tried to think about it. Oh, if I ask this leader to drive and that leader to drive, and then I'm like, no. So I asked my buddy, what can I do? And he's like, you should get um, a bus. You should get a bus. So I looked online, and I was looking all over the place, and then um, I found a bus, and then it was good. But it wasn't just any bus. It was a party bus. You see where this story is heading already. But here's the funny thing. And I didn't lie. I told the truth. So I emailed the leaders. I emailed the parents. 
as a good youth pastor. And I was like, all right, guys, um, we're going to rent this charter bus. I said charter bus. I really said charter bus. So everyone's excited. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. Please meet at the church at 730 a.m. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I sent it. And everyone's really excited and pumped about that. In the morning, I am looking over, because like, we had like a balcony thing. I was coming down. And then the, uh, the most ugly-looking bus I've ever seen in my life, I see it coming this way, and I'm like, dear Jesus, do not turn left. <laughs> it turned left. And it rolled into the parking lot, and all the parents are looking over there with eyes. Like, it is just wide, and they're like, oh, my goodness, is my kid going to be in that bus? And then sure enough, the answer was yes. So I'm like, dear Jesus, I'm going to get fired. So, and that's not the worst part. I go down there because, you know, be a good host. You greet there. I look inside. And on the bottom, and by the way, it's one of those bus they re, um, they took out the seats and made it like a circle, kind of like a limo. It's a party bus, all right? Um, how do you know? You better not be in a party bus ever. <laughs> Sean, never. Okay. And so, like, I'm looking there, and then I look down, and I'm like, hmm, there are some beer cans down there. That's not a good thing. I look in the back, and there's a stripper pole back there. And I'm, like, thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm going to get fired before we get to Six Flags. And then we go in there. Long story short, like, we had a great time. The worst time was we spent eight hours in Six Flags, and we got only three rides in. That was the worst part in it all. But then we come back, and I'm still worried. Can anybody guess how many phone calls I got the next day? Over there on that table, my man, how many, how many phone calls do you think I got? 45. 45, that was the whole number. I got zero. I got zero phone calls, and by the way, this is another principle. First of all, never do that. Never do that, okay? Uh, let, let me say that. Let me affirm everyone. Never, ever do that, and please do not tell Pastor Joseph. It's going to be like, I knew it. I had a bad feeling about it. But the reason why I tell you that is because at the end of the day, the parents trusted me. They trusted me that, even though I kind of broke that trust that day, they trusted me that I was having the best interest for the kids. And this why, if you feel called to the youth ministry, spend time at games. Those were the times where our relationships really grow. Yeah, you cheer on the kids, you know. But sometimes some of those games are hard, especially if they play the line. They don't do anything. And you're like, yay, nice tackle or nice block. And those were the times that I was able to build relationship with those parents. And they knew that I loved them and it just worked out. Now, at that time, did I think it was funny? No, I didn't. But looking back at it, it's hilarious. <laughs> it is thinking hilarious. And the fact that I got away with it, <laughs> even better. You know what I think? Um, Anthony, he actually uses that story in his um, church planning classes because he's like, this is the context in Austin. This is what happens. It just happens because um, my youth pastor's an idiot. But anyways. <laughs> and you're like, is that the reason why you're here? And then I'm like, no, a different reason. Thankfully, because of Pastor Nina, because she's awesome. Can we give her a hand? Because <laughs> she is such an amazing leader.
All right, God, the four principles all about you, not about me. Give yourself grace. Maintain your health. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. I believe God says that in the Bible. And learn to have fun. It's going to be great. Love you guys. You guys are awesome. All right. Can we do Q&A now, right now? Yeah. That is an excellent question. One of the biggest tools for me, or one of the biggest, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, one of the biggest indicators for me is how do I feel the next day? If I spend the whole day on Netflix watching Korean drama, I, that is not going to be reviving to my soul or watching whatever show is whatever, or I'm just doing that. But usually the next day, it's a big indicator. If I feel refreshed, if I feel ready, if I feel sharper. For example, um, when I didn't take a Sabbath, I had no motivation to do any work at school. I'm like, I'll just do it later. I'll take a nap. But once I took that break, I felt motivated. I wanted to do work. So it's those small things like, do you feel rested? Do you feel ready to feel good? Do you feel sharper and able to accomplish that test. So it's small things. Like those are the biggest indicators for me. Also, make a list. What makes you happy? What makes you joyful? Like, do you like going for a walk? Do you like singing a song, making me? Do you like ice cream, going to Cold Stone and getting a cheesecake ice cream? Like, I don't know what it is. Just find out what refreshes, what makes you joyful, and move on from there. The key thing is to set it on your calendar and be faithful in doing it. Do you know what I mean? So you'll be good. You'll feel the difference because you guys know when you feel tired and when you feel refreshed. It happens every single morning as well, even though I know some of you are sleep deprived because of school, but it's okay. Hang in there. All right. <laughs> Go for it. I didn't say that. Um, honestly, for me, the way that God communicates to me is he makes me cry. And I'm, I'm being dead serious about that because I know in my heart of hearts when I'm not walking with the Lord. I know it. And it's not as big as, oh, he's drinking, he's doing drugs and anything like that. It's just small, subtle steps. But, you know, God knows your heart and he knows it's not true to you. So usually it's one song, one moment where he breaks me and he's like, now, Isaac, is this... Is this what I called you to do? And so, like, it's those daily reminders of God just reminding me, hey, I have a better calling for you. Because at the end of the day, God knows what is best for you. Amen? And so that's what it is. It's just a constant reminding. And um, it would just, the hard part in all this, and that's a great question, is because if you looked at me, I was doing everything right. I was going to church. I was reading the Bible. I was praying. I was doing what? But God knew my heart, and he's like, I'm not going to let you get away with it because I love you. And so um, I'm very appreciative of that, and that's why I'm standing here before you. Great question. Awesome. All right. Anyone else? When do you, you said, you know, laugh at yourself, learn to laugh at yourself. Where do you, where, where are 
sister, if I knew that answer, my goodness. Um, you're going to do it based on situations because I sometimes have that problem where they're not laughing with me or I'm not laughing at myself. It's more out of shame and guilt. And so you just have to gauge yourself. And this why having accountability, having people walking alongside of you, being like, okay, we can laugh together, but at the same time, like, you know, like control that. I, I don't think I answered it very well because I'm still working through that. And maybe that's the reason why, but that's something I can ponder and something, great question. See, that's why I don't like Q&A time. All right, anyone else? <laughs> Anybody else? Karina, put your hand down. <laughs> Karina, put your hand down. Okay, Karina, go for it. Um, anything by C.S. Lewis, <laughs> including the Chronicles of Narnia, is a great starting point. <laughs> That's fiction, is it? Is it fiction? Um, a good theology book is um, Wayne Grudem. It's called Systematic Theology. But he presents, thank you, Pastor Sue, so good. Um, he presents it in a way that it's not too hard and not too difficult for you, and you're able to regurgitate it. Now, the thing is, do I agree with everything he says? Definitely not. But this is another good thing about reading. Read books that don't agree with your theology. So when you do talk to other people of different faiths or different um, people with theological difference, that you will be able to know their arguments. Another um, pastor, um, scholar that I love is I read anything from Tim Keller. Tim Keller is awesome. He's a hero of mine. In fact, in a couple of weeks at DTS, he's actually going to speak. Now, the problem with Tim Keller, if I can say this, is he does not, he does not believe in the gifts of the Spirit. He does not believe it's for today. So when I get near to him, I'm going to speak in tongues, and we'll see what happens. I got the hookup, so I'm not supposed to be there, but I'm going to be volunteering, and I'm going to get so close to him, and then it's, yeah, talk today. Okay, anyways. <laughs> and if I, you never see me again, I'm in jail. So, <laughs> inappropriate, I do understand that. All right, any other questions? All righty. Okay. Are we good? All right. Love you guys. You guys rock.